This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and today I'm joined with Rennie Saunders and Aaron Besley who are the founder and president of Shut Up and Write which essentially helps writers write and finish books and any other projects that they are working on. So anything from offline events to online events to workshops, you name it, that is what they do. So Rennie, Aaron, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Michael. I'm really happy to be here. This is yeah, Thanks for having us. This is great. Now, I hear you have an exciting and interesting story as to how you two actually connected, how you two met and how you two started Shut Up and Write. So share a bit about that for us. Give people some context for the conversation today. Great. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start off with that because I started uh, Shut Up and Write back in 2007 um, when I, after I moved to San Francisco and, um, <clears throat> the, um, I had, I've been a, a, a technical and marketing writer for years and had an opportunity to start getting, um, expanding my, my creative writing. So I spent a lot of time studying, reading books, um, going to workshops and, did this, that, and the other, and thought, wow, these are all great, except they start too far into the process. What I need is a way to actually get my writing done. And so I started a, a, a meetup chapter called Shut Up and Write in a little coffee shop in, uh, in San Francisco here. And within a couple of months, I had dozens of people coming because what we did was People go, uh, are we going to have writing prompts? Or are we going to share at the end? I'm like, no writing prompts, no sharing. You come in, you write what you need to write. We'll talk for a few minutes and that's it. And the simplicity of that um, really resonated. And, 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 and I've been able to watch. So now we've been doing this for 15 years. And Aaron came in about, what, five years ago, I believe, and when we realized we had a, we wanted to expand and make it available for more people. So that's, so I, that's sort of the, the easy Genesis. So I, I was living across the street from Rennie and I, I had moved to San Francisco from, uh, from New York to work for um, Apple iTunes. And I had had an amazing experience working at Apple, but I decided to move on and become a consultant of my own. And uh, Rennie was uh, again a friend next door, and he said, "Hey, so you're you're doing this consulting thing? Do you mind coming and consulting a little bit on this project that I had?" And funny enough, I had learned a, just very little about the program uh, because we had just been friends and not really talked about work very much. Uh, and what I saw was something that was really, really amazing, which was just a, a, as Rennie says, a very simple model that was very applicable to one of the most ubiquitous forms of creativity in the world, which I think is is writing. Uh, he and at that time, I think, Rennie, you said we had about 10 to 15 different groups across the world that were writing. Um, and what, about 10,000 people were a part of that group at that time. Is that correct? Yeah, somewhere around. Four, I was actually, we, I'm going to give myself a little more credit. It was about 14,000 at that point. <laughs> okay, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Give yourself all the credit. 
Uh, and, and we started working together about uh, building a model that would um, kind of create the most inclusive writing community that we could possibly imagine. And uh, so I worked with the team as a consultant to help them put together a, a strategy for the next few years on how to grow. And I think yesterday we just uh, had our 375th um, chapter open up in Hong Kong, and we are in 54 countries and have over 100,000 members uh, worldwide. And so we've we've seen exponential growth and we've seen a significant amount of growth over the last um, few years during the pandemic with people connecting online. Uh, but the, the, the great thing to me was that we were just friends that were living next door to each other. Um, we, you know, typical big city experience, you see each other and you wave, but you never really get to know each other. And the first time that we um, really got a chance to get to know each other, I found out that his cousin, who uh, was raised almost like a sibling with him, actually owned the restaurant right around the corner from where I lived in Tulsa, wow. Oklahoma, who my family had, you know, patroned for, for decades. Uh, and so, you know, it's just a very small world. And as we've continued to work on this project, we've realized how small that world is with every new connection and interaction. So it must be a bit of a surreal thing when you go from pandemic community building to trying to see if that will carry over when you reopen up offline, which is what you used to do pre-pandemic. How have you navigated the community building element because it seemed like it was one of your cornerstones before the pandemic started and yet it seems like it's an exponential growth over these past couple of years what do you put that down to do you put it down to online actually being transferring nicely into offline like how do you see the, the community growth aspect one of the things that I think is most amazing about um, how our lives have changed during the pandemic is that so many people found time that they didn't have before. Uh, we spent so much time commuting back and forth from our jobs or focusing on different components of living out in the world that people found themselves with far more time. And many, many people chose to use those times in creative ways and get into projects that they had always promised themselves they would do. Uh, and, and many of them decided to use uh, programs that are tried and true that maybe are uh, paint, you know, that you pay for. The greatest thing about the shut up and write model is that it, it plays well with pretty much any other uh, program or strategy that's out there. Um, you know, it is it is not rocket science. If you dedicate time to honing your craft or whatever you want to get accomplished every single week, you're going to accomplish it more quickly. And the easiest way to ensure that you are dedicating time is by having accountability. And that accountability through community is what Shut Up and Write is all about. Um, you know, if you go to a gym and you have two mates that are waiting for you, you know that you are far more likely to show up than if you're doing it on your own. And that's exactly what Shut Up and Write is about. It's about uh, it's about stop talking about the project that you have to do, get together with people who wanna support you in that process and shut up and write. Now, as we transition after the pandemic, I do think that we're in this really interesting phase where people are shifting the way that they are using their time. But what we see is that these individuals have already created habits and those habits are carrying over and they are continuing to keep space for that writing. So what's happening is those individuals that we're meeting online are now choosing to meet in person 
and online. And they are doubling down on the efforts that they were taking on their project. They want to go in person and meet with people within their community to write. But at the same time, they've built those close relationships with that same group that they've been working with online. And they don't want to leave that as well. So our hope is, is that that exponential growth is going to continue to, uh, to continue to move forward and that those people who have re- prioritize the things that they care about, can continue to push forward on their creative efforts, uh, even as we all come back into the quote, real world. It makes me think actually of myself many years ago, and also people that always talk about the novel that they're writing. The amount of conversations that you have with authors that may have written the first paragraph of of their book and it gives them an icebreaker in conversations it makes them seem cool to their friends but they've never actually put pen to paper or started typing the keys is that where shut up and write came from Rennie is that like okay loads of people talk about writing a book but so many less people actually start writing it yeah uh, that you've sort of hit the nail right on the head um and with myself I have been doing creative writing since I was in in grade school, and um, it's you know something I've always done. And I've actually written things. I haven't published anything, but I had written piles of things, but they didn't have an organization to them, and they would there would be huge gaps. And so, in my research of how to get writing done, um, I kept coming back to the great writers saying, you know, like Isaac Asimov is one of my favorite. Is like. Um, the only way to do it is butt in chair. Um, and so I, I <laughs> took those different aphorisms from the great writers and tested all tested them all out. I spent about two years trying different things. And even once we started Shut Up and Write with the group that I that showed up, um, we we really tested different methodologies to go what what gets people to go. I've got this idea. And we can go, okay, if, if, if you are getting your writing done at least an hour a week, this is what we found. Let me back that up. If, you've, if you are committing to an hour a week and you're actually doing it, then that other talking and writing time is when you're processing the novel. You get past that first paragraph, as you said, right? And so both in my own experience and I've seen it in now hundreds and hundreds of people who have finished their work because the basic commitment of, of just showing up and actually writing is the weirdest thing. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, a lot of people come up to me, oh, you, you, you help writing. How do I get published? I'm like, well, that's a really good idea. Is your manuscript all finished? You know, have you gone through editing and, and all of that? And they're like, well, I don't have a manuscript. I'm like, well, how's the draft coming? They're like, well, I don't have a draft yet. I'm like, okay, there's your problem. <laughs> Let's sit down, let's make a commitment, find your group and write for an hour a week. And then we'll talk about how to get published. So I think one of the most amazing aspects of Shut Up and Write is how inclusive it is to everybody, no matter where they are in the writing stage. Uh, you, you meet people all the time that say, I would love to be able to write a novel. I would love to write creatively. I'd love to do poetry. 
And I think that there is this concept uh, that people are born with specific gifts. And if you were not born with that gift, then chances are you need to find your gift somewhere else. And the reality is, I think hopefully most people know this, is that if you work, if you're passionate about, about honing that gift and you spend that time on it, you will you will see results. And, and so Shut Up and Write is not about just ensuring that writers who have been writing for a long time are more prolific in their writing. It's about helping those individuals who have always wanted to write a story, who, who love the idea of writing a memoir to leave for their kids and their grandkids, for people who <clears throat> know that they have writing to do for their job, and it's one of the most difficult things for them to get accomplished, and we're going to help them do it more quickly. So you know, that is to me the most exciting component of this is that it really is simply a mechanism to help individuals at any of the stages that you can imagine start or finish whatever project they have in their mind. It actually makes me think of the two real Stephen Pressfield books that I've I've ever read. And the first one being I think it's the War of Art, I think, was one of them. And then Turning Pro, I think, was another. And I think he talks a lot about if it's bad writing or good writing, they, they both involve writing. And they both involve you showing up and they both involve you actually doing it. And then it was a Seth Godin interview as well where he said the journey to good writing tends to start off with bad writing. You've got to get through the bad writing to find the the good writing. And I think it all speaks to two core things, which I, I think I'd love for you to elaborate on. The first one is commitment, as you mentioned before, but then also the ability to be self-accountable. I don't think you could really write for anybody else per se, unless you've got publishers and deadlines and they give you enough of a carrot and a stick to get you on the chair. But I, I think you need to be very self-driven. You need to be self-accountable. You need to be the kind of person that would beat yourself up a little bit if you didn't sit down and write the book. If you rely on other people to do that, it's going to be difficult a lot yeah. of the time. So speak to commitment and your ability to be accountable to yourself. I, I will let, I will speak about commitment. Let me back up first though, and mention that I have everyone in the organization, you know, and our, on our team, anyone who comes within about 10 feet of me, I um, get as close to mandatory as, as I'll get with anything, which is you have to read the war of art. <laughs> So much of Shut Up and Write is built around the concept of resistance. You know, Stephen Pressfield calls it resistance. And we that core idea just drove me. So um, shout out to Stephen Pressfield. I read his newsletter every week. Um, and I actually saw Seth Godin talk um, when I was in the early stages of this and had a chance to chat with him for a couple of minutes. And um, he helped me focus that. I said a couple of things and I won't get into that now, but so just so you know, both of those people influenced how we, we, um, we structured shut up and write and the simplicity of it. Um, so with commitment, the, the, the building of a habit is frequently seen as something really difficult. And, and in my own habit building practices, what I've learned from other people is 
there are two stages to it. There's intention and then there's action. And if you, so when we're doing the shut up and write an event, we're at, we, we, the three of us have now showed up, we're getting ready to do it. This is how it goes. I say, hi everyone. My name's Rennie and um, I'm going to, for the next hour, I'm going to be working on my science fiction novel. What are you going to be writing? And that's how long it is, right? We don't talk about it. We don't do anything, but I've made the intention out loud to my group of accountability buddies that I'm going to write my science fiction novel for an hour. And then I write my science fiction novel for an hour. And at the end, I say, I wrote and it went pretty well. It was painful. It was great. I had characters do weird things, but we went from intention to action. And if we do that an hour a week, you start seeing the benefits of your commitment. Oh, I committed to writing an hour a week. I did it for a year and I said, I'm not going to do anything else. Suddenly you have the rough draft of a novel, 52 weeks of about a thousand, um, an average of a thousand words a week. That's the, that's 50 some odd thousand words, give or take. Right? So the commitment we want to say, Oh, I'm going to go to the gym every week and I'm going to do this thing. The, there are two things missing there. The, um, the action, finding someone um, who's going to look you back and go, okay, you're going to go to the gym. I got a better idea. I'll go with you. Right. So we've set up this commitment structure again, going back to the way Aaron said it, which is it's an accountability. It's, it's the lowest level of accountability that we could find. And, and I think that it is really, really, you said something that I think is very important, which is you, you, you think in order to be successful, you need to be self-accountable. You need to be somebody who beats yourself up if you haven't done that. But I also think that that takes, um, that takes habit building, that it takes time and that it takes commitment. And, and sometimes it, it's not something that you, that, that is innate to you and, and having other individuals that can set you on that path will ultimately lead to you being an individual that's self-accountable. Um, hopefully you don't have to beat yourself up about it because you've found such a good cadence that it's something that you just naturally do now without much um, pushback. But I think that's an important thing. I, I have a lot of lofty goals in life and there are a lot of things that I can innately do. Uh, and there are a lot of things that I don't innately do that I still find extraordinarily valuable. And I think having those accountability, that the accountability through community helps me ensure that I am making time for that and then move towards finding that self-accountability. You know, we were talking a little bit earlier about uh, personal trainers, and I I truly believe that leveraging a personal trainer is one of the best things that you can do for your physical health. I, I I think that having combining that with other individuals who are working out with you at the same time that are at different stages that are are, are providing that same level of commitment just adds an additional accountability to that. So we don't offer the personal trainer. We offer the the buddies that are going with you and we allow you to bring your own process, bring your own, um, maybe tools that you're using in order to get things accomplished. And we truly just focus on ensuring that you know that there are individuals that are intentional about writing who want to help you stay in, intentional about writing. And we we found that that's extraordinarily uh, beneficial to a lot of people. I would, I would like to address one more thing on that as far as commitment. One of the things 
in habit building, in doing this, particularly around writing, that, that writing is essential to organizing our thinking about anything. You start out saying, oh, I want to write a novel. And so you start making that that weekly commitment and you showing up and then you realize you're you're actually spending time in your week that it carries over organizing your thinking organizing your time once you start organizing a writing project you realize wow this works really well for writing i'm gonna bring that to how i approach my job my job starts going better we've seen this again i've i've led over 500 of these um events through the the years and her, just the the stories of people going yeah i'm actually i had a scientist showing up on a weekly basis just to do her lab notes got that so organized that she started writing a novel right so it's that that commitment it starts really simple but it can it, it will spread to the different parts of your life if you give it that room I think as well that actually speaks to whether the book becomes commercial or something that people would sell or something that sticks with them as a hobby, something that benefits them in other ways other than I'm going to sell this thing when I've written it. The amount of people that write for therapy, they write for organization, they write for some kind of cathartic experience like a diary of some kind. There's lots of different reasons why people would write that doesn't just stop it i'm going to write a book and sell it is that the kind of thing that we're talking about as well absolutely that is exactly what we're talking about i think you know when you ask people what they like to do and they say oh i love to take long walks nobody asks are you any good at it right like <laughs> the fact that you enjoy doing it doesn't mean that it has to be for a end product it just means that it's something that you want to do and the, the simple act of doing it can bring a lot of joy uh, and a lot of catharsis. Uh, and I think that that is an extraordinarily important thing to remember as, as we are personally trying to connect with as many people who want to write. So we're not an ecosystem built for writers. We're an ecosystem built to help every person tell their story, whatever that story may be. I, I think of, um, and this again goes to my upbringing of standing around on the front porch, um, just talking story and um, and having traveled a, a, a bit, you know, through Europe and Southeast Asia, that everyone stands around and talks story. It's just what humans do. We are storytellers. It's how we organize our life. It's how we organize our society. And we all have stories running through our heads. What we're doing is saying, write that down. Because even if even if you don't become the next Stephen King, you will have you will have begun to tell your story. And the the what you do with that, it becomes a completely different conversation. But you will get further along in that story by writing it down. I wonder if that is one of the main reasons why people do it and it's almost like a societal issue for want of a better expression whereby we typically do things that are monetizable that we can't seem to do anything anymore just for the fun of it and i think sometimes creativity can be killed when it has to be monetized i can't speak to everybody but a lot of my hobbies became businesses and i hated them when they become businesses a lot of the ventures that i wanted to do for fun realized that hey i've actually got to 
monetize it to be able to keep doing it, I then suddenly lost the motivation because it became tainted or whatever word you want to describe it because there had to be some kind of financial gain. And I think over the years, I've been quite fortunate in that I've managed to detach the creative from the monetary. Not many people have that ability, but I'm one of the lucky few. And I, I think that when society is driven by you know you're typically happier if you make up to a certain amount of money how you make it is becoming more important now like how you make your money is becoming more important do you not find though that that's encouraging people to be creative but coming at it from the wrong side and they're coming at it from the money side first because it's about how they make their money they've got to do what they enjoy but is that not causing people to come at their creative side from a different angle, do you think? Do you think more people should just be creative for the heck of it? Um, that's, a, that's a really deep conversation, and I'll try and condense it a little bit in that um, I'm doing what I love. And, and, and I'm lucky in that I come from the graphic design world. I was a, a graphic designer for many years, a creative director, and I still do it, even though I don't do it for money anymore because I get to... Um, I love making art and the fact that I was selling it to people, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that way. So the creative, if you're doing what you love, it, you know, I mean, if, if truth be told, I love shut up and write, I love what we're doing. We've built this amazing thing, but I'm watching people on the internet make money being dungeons and dragons, dungeon masters. And I'm jealous because I love playing D and D, yeah. But I'm not. I'm not at the point where I could get paid for it, right? So, but that doesn't keep me from not doing it. I still, I still run a game. I've got a group, right? So, it's the same thing. You creativity. It, it, we see it as this thing outside. The thing I believe is that you should, if you want to be paid for it, you should. And there are. It's a larger conversation about if. Um, that you shouldn't have to be really good at business to, you know, you, you should be able to write and, and sell that if you want to. But I, I don't think there should be a disconnect. If you're a, if you're a marketing manager, if you're um, a tool and die manufacturer, bring your creativity to it. Why not? You know, we're tool makers. I think people interchange words pretty frequently between creativity, craft, and art. And I think there are three distinct elements. You know, I, uh, I, I resonate very much with what you're talking about, Michael, about like using your craft and then, or, or your art and uh, uh, for, for pay and then kind of losing the passion behind it. I went to school for music and then I worked at a large record label in New York and kind of seeing how the quote unquote sausage was made uh, definitely kind of tainted some of the perspectives that I had at being a musician. But creativity to me is absolute king. I think as we as a society evolves from rewarding individuals who have, have the knowledge to those who know how to access the knowledge and uh, implement that knowledge in creative ways, I think creativity is going to continue to be uh, the most important component. And, and within our organization, we're a nonprofit and our focus is on um empowering individuals through critical thought and critical thought through teaching creative writing. And I think that's a very important thing to 
to, to denote, but creativity is different from craft, which is different from art. What you choose to be your art, I think should never have a monetary focus to it. How you use your craft to make money, I think is a very important thing, but everything we do should have creativity involved in it. I think that it says a lot about a lot of people just need a hobby, don't they? I know it sounds a bit simplistic and it sounds a bit daft, but I think more people need to have something that they do just because they want to. And if it's writing, if it's video, if it's podcasts like this one, having the ability or the freedom or the freedom of expression or whatever it is you want to call it to be able to say, right, I'm going to do this thing purely because I want to. And it makes me feel good to keep my creative juices flowing, keeps my brain working, keeps my body moving. And I will benefit because of it. I will benefit in that way because I'm able to sit down and do this thing. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. I think in some ways we're kind of pushed down the money road quite early on. And for people that don't excel necessarily in academia or career based, if someone's in this crossroads in life where they're unsure what to do, unsure what to do with the rest of their life mm-hmm. they get pushed into but you need to live you need to survive you need to earn your way otherwise you can't buy anything you can't live you can't do anything and i think if you're in that crossroads and you don't necessarily have anything apart from what you would do for fun what you would do to be creative what you would do as a hobby it's almost a way of like what else have you got left what else can you do that you're good at other than what you used to do for purely creative reasons and i think it's a tough decision for a lot of people when they have to choose between things they do just for fun and then things they can also sustain themselves on and it's like what would you rather have would you rather have something that you just did for fun or something that you did for fun and something that you could sustain yourself from which going off what you two have said there that purely speaks to your abilities doesn't it just speaks to how good you are at the thing because if you do it just for fun you don't really need to be fantastic at it you might be you might be phenomenal but you can just do it and it's fine it's great but i think in order to turn it into something that's sellable other people have to want the thing as well And I think that's the important part. And that is even separate from uh, the craft and the art. That's that's the the marketability of whatever you're creating, which is a completely different uh, separate conversation. Uh, I I really do love what you were saying, though, about just the the desire for people to create. I think we are all looking for a sense of identity and what what we believe is a life well lived. And I'm going to quote a, a book from 1989. A great guy named uh, Ray Oldenburg wrote a book called The Great Good Place. And he uh, talks about the concept of a third place. And in the third place, we have historically in society had three places. We have work, we have home, and then we have a place that we contribute to, but we're not directly responsible for. And that's where a lot of individuals 
create uh, had their identity that is everything from a um you know a beer garden a public house the central square uh, an alumni association um a, a cookbook club a bowling league you name it and to a large extent we've lost that in our society and we are struggling to try to find where that can be a lot of companies have talked about culture large companies talk about the culture that you can have by being a part of them kind of supplanting that third place uh, and people find themselves spending all their time either with family or work and they feel empty and they're expecting too much from both. Um, I think that creative endeavors, especially creative endeavors that um, allow you to engage and connect with others who are focused on that same intentionality, provide a really healthy sense of identity that um, that a lot of other people are trying to find through politics or through sports or through, uh, you know, social media platforms where they just sit and complain about everything that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't help when a lot of the things that we want to do for ourselves, it's almost like it contradicts what you've been told. You do things for fun, but you've been told you need to do X, Y, and Z when you want to do something completely different. And I think it's living in that contradiction a little bit, living with that conflict is easier for some people than others. Like I love the fact that I'm able to do what I love to do and that I'm able to get by financially, live the way that I want to live, doing something else. And right. it gives me the creative freedom to sit down and go, you know what, not a lot has to come from this. But it's great and I love it. And I'm able to put my everything into it because I don't have the worry of paying my bills or where the next meal is going to come from or any number of things. So I think it adds an extra layer for people that some people can be creative no matter what. Some people need to have the mental space to be able to have the creative thinking. And I think depending on how your wired will depend on which way you're able to come at it like people like myself and i would i would like to thank you too as well is that you could be creative no matter what happens in other areas of your life because creative is such a big passion for the part of you that doesn't really matter what happens you can always then step into your creativity and do the thing that you like doing most which is writing or possibly D. who knows renny <laughs> um the it's hard because uh, our societies are fairly ex expensive and you need to you need to pull your own weight to some extent and so creativity because this particular the way we've structured our society doesn't um, put enough value unless you your paintings are going to sell for thirty thousand dollars a piece you're you're a struggling artist right unless you've landed that contract with uh, Hachette or or tour books you're you know you're just at this other end and it's important to remember that most people or I would add to this conversation that most people go through four careers in in modern western and in most global societies you'll start out maybe you're a cook for a couple of years and then you get out of that and you are a musician or you're, you know, people go through changes and, and creativity comes in when you allow yourself to say, I'm going to do this thing. It will help organize me and new things will come out of it. I'll meet people. Um, that third place that, that Aaron speaks of is so important. 
And it's there's this whole thing going on in in uh, in the media these days about quiet quitting because people are showing up to work, doing their work and going to the third place. And companies got used to people staying around all day and working till 10 at night and eating at the commissary. And suddenly they want to go be in a bowling league, go, you know, do something creative or something with friends. And it's throwing things off. And, and we say, great, go go be part of your community. And and that's the kind of opportunity that I think we have as Shut Up and Write. We, we've seen a lot of people through, as, as Rennie was saying, the quiet quitting and the great resignation find a lot more balance in their life. And they are spending more time trying to connect and engage with others outside of their um, work. A lot of them are doing that through social media. And I think um, it's not an unfair statement to say that a lot of the times it's a very unhealthy environment. Um, I, I was watching actually a TikTok, I'm guilty, uh, the other day of a creator talking about how it's just simply not natural to be swiping and feel happy, swiping, feel sad, swipe, feel angry. You go through all of these different emotions over and over yeah. again as you're consuming content and what that has to do to our foundation. With with Shut Up and Write and the online engagement that we've seen over the last few years, what we're trying to do and what we're working to develop and, and to launch is a platform that allows people to connect based off of intentionality. So not common interest, but intentionality. When you bring people together based off of intentionality, the whole focus of connecting is supporting each other and what they're trying to accomplish instead of sitting around and talking about the things that they're passionate about, which ultimately leads to positive and negative roller coaster rides of interaction. We found that the ecosystem that we've developed has been, we like to call the most wholesome corner of the internet, because everybody who's coming on has a shared expectation that the people that they're going to engage with have the same desire to accomplish personal goals and the same desire to support the other person in accomplishing their personal goals. Uh, and so we don't see a lot of the same kind of trolling uh, that you see within other social platforms. And with, with the platform that we're building and we're launching soon, the hope is, is that that's just going to um, continue to grow and continue to support those types of individuals. Uh, and so I, I really do think that we're at a precipice of um, how people leverage the internet. Like we, we, we have to accept, even for those individuals who, who are listening to this that were born uh, with the internet in their pocket, you know, we are still extraordinarily young in understanding how to leverage this tool. And the evolution of the internet is continuing to go. For myself, when I first got access to Facebook, it was so cool to connect with that person that I knew from second grade. Uh, but but now I, I don't think that that is that unique to a lot of individuals. And so the, the ubiquity of everything, everywhere, all of the time that is quoted by Bo Burnham is really, I think, going to be short-lived. And the focus is going to be far more on finding individuals that are interested in connecting on intentionality. And the hope for us is that that leads to more creativity, more honing of craft, and then ultimately more art. Out of curiosity as well, what is the intentionality behind Shut up and write. And also, how do you organize that? How do you allow people in? What 
kind of system have you set up whereby intentionality can be, let's say, the focus, and then after that, everything else is fine because the intentionality is there? How do you enable that system to actually take place? Uh, it's 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 off of the carrot that we use to attract individuals to use an I mean, I'm based in Oklahoma right like I'll use an Oklahoma term like you have to know what kind of lure you're using for what kind of fish you're trying to catch. We're not interested in marketing to every single person in the world. We're interested in connecting with individuals that are attracted to the idea of finding support through um, community accountability and those individuals tend to be people who want to protect the ecosystem that we're building. Uh, and so I think that's how we do it. And, and the way that we are developing the, the tool sets within the platform um, are, are ways to support and celebrate the creations that those individuals are making um, and, and only providing critique in structured ways when it's asked for and by individuals who have proven themselves to be capable of providing professional critique. That would make sense in a way because you almost get what you incentivize, don't you? So if you add enough incentives to the right things, you encourage behavior in in that direction so if you incentivize people to say i don't know um similar to a lot of people sharing let's say on duolingo where you have your number of days that you've been on the app and you've been using it to to learn your language you've got this like day streak of i've used the app for 10 minutes today that'll go on my 200 day forever streak of learning this app and i get the sneaking suspicion that that is a way of incentivizing people to use the app all the time would be an incentive to write all the time if they had this daily streak that they might get a special badge for when they when they hit 100 and 200 and all those things because that's an incentive to encourage people to do it they're more likely to get people to try and get as high a number as possible. Similar with we should have been right as well, is that you want people to sit down and write something, anything really, every week. And I guess having that built into the system means if you don't like that, then you don't have to stay, if that makes sense. So it's like you create the ecosystem, and if people don't like it, they're not going to want to come along. Um, let me address it real quick. I just want to say that, um, the, we, we want to, I'm going to go back to the environment, which is I have discovered in my life from social media that I want an hour and I can say, I'm going there to write, but I'm there with some non-toxic people who care about the fact that I'm writing that alone in a, in a, in a, in a, in a week of craziness, I have an hour with people that I have a base level of respect for who I want to see do well, who want to see me do well. That completely translates into the rest of my week and how I treat everyone else. And and that base level of respect, in my opinion, is cemented in the intentionality of why we're there. Um, And that to me is, is really the common, common connector in all of this. Um, So it's almost like 
the intentionality causes these ripple effects, these consequences, these, in order to get along, in order for the system to work, you've got to play by these rules almost that you've built incentives around. So it's almost like the rule is no negativity. Okay, that's in the background. That's something you might have in the back of your mind, but to have that as the result further on downstream, you have to incentivize the opposite. So you incentivize support, and that way you prevent the negativity from happening. You haven't got to tell people, by the way, no negativity in these parts. You incentivize the opposite so that you never get what you don't want, if that makes sense. Yeah, we, we as I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, conversation, writing is one of the most ubiquitous creative endeavors in the world. So many people leverage the craft of writing for multiple different purposes. So we are in no shortage of customers. There are plenty of people out there that we can attract. And so it does us so much good to isolate those individuals who are attracted by the rules or the requirements that we're providing. And those requirements are to me, not very high. They are common decency uh, and and support for each other. Again, I think that we as um, as a society have latched on to these uh, online platforms as as voices for us and ways for us to potentially push for specific changes. And and what I think we're trying to do is attract individuals who are not focused on that when they are with us. They are focused on just the endeavors and the changes that they're looking for within themselves and supporting others in that shared goal uh, and and hoping and celebrating the accomplishments. Because it's not about, yay, you got published, right? We we talk, I think a lot of the times too, we want to come at, I said carrot earlier, there's carrot and stick. We come at, uh, come at problems with a stick, trying to de-incentivize. But if we incentivize with the carrot, um, we create that environment that I think is really wholesome. And by celebrating the small wins of, I had a really great writing session. I'm going to sit down and continue to write, even if you guys are going to leave. And that's an important thing to say, right? Rennie didn't come and just write for an hour when he started this. He started with an hour, but after the hour was done, a lot of times people are like, you know what? I'm on a roll. I'm going to keep on writing. Uh, you guys have a great one. And people people will write for, for hours and get far more accomplished than they ever expected. What I'd really love to know as well, if you're you're able to share, is when Rennie mentioned other people were caring about what he was writing. I would love to hear a little bit of an elaboration on that. And also, how do you have that happen as the result of the community? Because I get the intentionality, it works great. But then there'd be people out there that might just turn up, write, go home. But there are people out there that, are committed enough to your project as well that they can they're committed enough to care about it they're committed enough to make sure that you're doing your thing because they want to see it happen they want to see it bear fruit or whatever the term is how do you encourage caring in a community because from a thirty-five thousand foot view i think we need a bit more of this outside of shut up and write as well well um, and that that right there is the secret sauce is that people want um, they want to 
feel safe. So creativity, to nurture creativity, you have to do it in somewhat of a safe space. You can do it in your garage, in the back, the door's closed, and you're flinging paint all over like Jackson Pollock. Um, but where do you get your inspiration? Where are the, Who are the people that are going to refill your tank? Um, as as um, um, it says in the seven habits, how are you sharpening your saw? And so we've we've combined that in the sense that not only are we um, sharpening the saw at the same time we're practicing our craft. You come and you sit in that, and 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 there's nothing quite like experiencing it. Where and I've again I've seen this hundreds and hundreds of times. We do a session, and people have been there the first time, and they kind of lean back when we're doing the check-in, and they look around, and they go, "That was kind of an amazing experience." And then they come back the second time and then the third time and then they go, oh, people were nice to me when I showed up. I didn't have to explain all the weird stuff going on in my life. We just wrote for a little while. We chatted about the writing process and that that simpleness, there's literally a thing that changes in you when you can show up and sit down with a group of people who are happy to see you for no other reason than that you're there you get some work done and then you're, you're like, wow, we're, it, it, that's how you do it. You don't do, we, we don't do anything other than just be simply nice to each other for an hour and a half, right? It's, it's a crazy <laughs> thought, I know, but. It is in this day and age for sure, definitely. I, I think we can't, we can't devalue it enough, I think. And what really spoke to me as well, Renny, is how it's the kindness that breeds the safe space. Because right. if you can be kind, you create the safe space because you know it's not going to fall on angry ears or frustrated ears. It's always going to fall on kind ears. And I think that the ability to do that is something that is a bit of a skill, really. Like you it, have to it, be it, the it, kind it, of person that can do this. I apologize. Um, it is a skill. And there's, uh, because I went to art school, um, we have tried at different points, and this may show up in the future, <clears throat> how to teach people to do critique. We all, we're all critics now. It's like the latest Marvel movie, the latest this, that, and the other. We're all instant critics, but very few people have developed the craft of critique, and critique mm -hmm. is much different. There's no ad hominem in it. There's no, um, it has nothing to do with the artist. It has everything to do with the art. And that is something we learn. I, I, Aaron had something I wanted to. Well, I, I'm a big believer that, that most things happen top down. I think that the culture that we're building, that kind, creative, um, safe space, really is something that um, is a reflection of how Rennie does everything. And I don't want to put him on the spot, but he has created that kind of space for us as employees that are pushing this initiative forward. And, and it, in everything that we do, we are given the freedom to be kind. That is not only um, a, a good thing, it's an expectation. And because of that, that filters down to all the individuals that are volunteering to support us put these initiatives together. And so I don't want to under um, undervalue the fact that Rennie's intentionality behind creating that kind, safe space has a ripple effect that can literally affect hundreds of thousands of individuals in the way that they spend an hour um, every week. And so as Rennie says, as those people come with that intentionality of being kind, 
and in creating that safe space and supporting each other in their um, desire to accomplish goals, nobody feels a scarcity mindset when people find success. It's just like if you were to go with your best friends to the gym and somebody had a goal accomplished, you wouldn't sit there and feel like they took something away from you. You would sit there and celebrate the fact that you were potentially a part of this ecosystem that allowed this person to succeed in something that they'd always wanted to do. And I really do, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to work in a lot of organizations. And I think it is unrealistic to believe that we can create safe, healthy spaces when the people at the top are not ensuring that they are creating those safe, safe, healthy spaces for the people who are trying to create those safe, healthy spaces. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot to be said for the top down element of things as well. And then as leaders of the meetups and get togethers and workshops and creative spaces that, that you guys have, you have to be able to create the space as well, which is very easy if you're in, that space as you said from the the top down if if Rennie creates that space you're more likely to create that space for others because you come at it from that angle as well so it makes everything easier let's go back uh, we we were discussing briefly before we came on clubhouse and how this idea that people could get on and by the time they got on they were just yelling um, there's an in, intrinsic part of that to this which is everyone wants to be heard we're all talking story, right? And and you were like, you want to be part of that story. So, and this is sort of by accident and then, but we've built on it, which is by having you show up into a safe, creative space and letting you write for an hour without any expectation of readback. So you can write whatever you want. You can, you're effectively journaling, even if it's a novel or a dissertation, whatever it is, you've been heard. Everyone celebrated the fact that you sat down and you wrote for an hour and you you didn't put it out. You put it out into the universe without having any kind of blowback whatsoever. Right. It makes me think as well that it's worth knowing what your writing practices are as well. If you have them, I know you use the short up and write model, I think, unless not, I guess we'll find out. But what are your writing practices what do you do with with your time if you're going right i'm going to do some writing today what does that look like do you set it up the night before do you have morning routines to get yourself ready what's your writing practice like we'll start with whoever wants to go first let, let, <laughs> um, let me tell you a, a you know i'm the storyteller right so um about two and a half years ago we're in the middle of all of this the pandemic is raging and we, we don't have vaccines yet we're all locked in my house, our houses, and um, and I'm getting lots done. We're getting lots of things done. But then I went, okay, I've gotten most of this stuff handled. I need to get some writing done. And I went three full days before I remembered that I had actually started Shut Up and Write to get my own writing done. <laughs> <laughs> so it was... And I say that with a with a sense of like, you know, we we it's it's true because I have been so in the weeds. And so the the way I set it, the, there are lots of things that go into how I set up my creative process and they're particular to me. I, I like um, um, what's his name? Oh, gosh, the author who wrote James and the Giant Peach. Um, 
in um, those great books, and I'll remember it in a moment. He said, he gave writing advice in the back of his book. He said, you absolutely must get up at eight o'clock and you absolutely must have a cup of orange juice and a cup of coffee and you absolutely must write from 10 a.m. till 2 p.m. unless you're not me. <laughs> it's in it's in the back of one of his books and 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 so what i do is i make sure that i have a task list and i do all the high value things out of the way before i can do that that's what i have to do because i'm a i'm a clean the dishes before i cook kind of person right so but i also the most important and i'm going to bring this back around i put it on my calendar I know exactly when I'm going to write at a minimum once a week. With me, I'm I'm writing five days a week. I allow myself to write if I want to on the weekends, but I know what time I'm going to write every day because my shut up and write practice has advanced to the point where I have that one where I'm getting together with people, but even if I can't get together on a session because it doesn't quite work, I can't get to one online or I can't get to my group in the in the city here. I, I, I drop everything and I walk over and I sit down and I, I say, hi, my name is Rennie. I'm going to be working on my science fiction novel and I write for an hour, right? Even if I'm just talking to the room because I've developed that habit, because my commitment has gone from once a week to something that really makes my entire being just relax. So you say the intro that you would say if it was a group, even if you're in the room by yourself. I always make intention. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I've learned from Rennie during this entire process is to silence the critic as you're writing. One of the most difficult things for me, um, having gone to music school, as you can imagine, you know, I've, I'm used to being good at certain things. And when I'm not good, you know, and, and writing is not something that I feel like is has been an innate gift and something that I've had to cultivate. Um a lot of times I get discouraged by the words that are coming down on the on the page. And what Rennie's strategy has been has really helped me just not worry about what's coming out. Just get it down. The you know, there's another day and there's another time to rewrite this. But the more and more I do that, the more and more confident I am at my ability to write down my ideas without feeling like it's a representation of who I am or where I am at that moment. And then later on, I find out that a lot of the stuff was not as bad as I thought it was. And on top of it, you know, there's a lot to work with. It's almost like taking a picture and immediately going, oh, that's a horrible picture of me. But then five years later, you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I was actually not bad looking back then. <laughs> um, and, and it's important that the, the part of this process and why we you go for the ugly first draft, you just write, there's a, a lot to the method where we say, don't read back. When you sit down to write, read back one paragraph and then start writing again. Um, don't come up with names. You know, you get to a character name, you you put brackets, write name and keep going. You say city and keep going. Cause we wanted world build. We wanna, what did this character do? But you have to, this is the craft part. You have to train yourself to write and you have to stop editing while you write. You have to stop critiquing while you write because it's a, Guess what? That's not your creative brain. If you're editing and critiquing while you're writing, you're trying to have an editor and a painter in your head at the same time. And your brain can be trained to go, I'm creative 
And then the next day you pick it up and go, now it's editing time and you go at it with critical function. I like that. I like how it becomes a skill to be able to just write. And then afterwards, if you want to do anything else with it, other than just write it, then it's worth going back and doing the editing after the fact. I think that's something that you might even encourage as part of your system as well, because not everyone's going to make it sellable. Not everyone's going to market it or sell it or any of those things. So in a way, it's because of that, the editing could even be done outside of those sessions i.e you go it's the time to write not the time to edit you turn up and you write if you want to edit you edit on your own time right or if you go every day maybe you pick you know i mean we and i say that because we have people that go to shut up and writes online every single day we have people that do two hour sessions that they're running that other people show up to um the um it's the um we have a great synergy with NaNoWriMo because NaNoWriMo says take the National Novel Writing Month of November and put 30 to 50, they want, you want to get 50,000 words on the page. You obviously have no time for editing. So we've seen over the years, because we're both out of San Francisco, that we a lot of people show up in December, January, and February to take sections of it and rewrite it, take sections and rewrite you know, there's a large process to writing and people go, oh, I'm just going to write the novel. There's actually a bunch of different steps and you have to divide each of them from each other. And that is that is part of the method. We won't get too far into that, but um, I did want to put that out there. It's OK. I mean, we can we can cover it in in passing if you want to, because it makes me feel like you're only using one part of your decision making or thought process at one time so you're not trying to do right. five things at once and right. i found in the projects that i've worked on that i think is it is it called deep work or something yeah. where you just deep work. do one thing for a long period of time completely finish it and then you go back and you sort of do something else for absolutely i'm i'm possible i apologize um i'm tricking i'm tricking people into uh learning deep work <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so you've got so you have ideation you've got that idea that you've been thinking about you've got the um talk it out part you've got the sit down and draft it and that's where shut up and write sits then you have the um someone looks at it makes comments you talk about it you rewrite it you get it to some form you have someone edit it then you rewrite it then you edit it then you rewrite it then you polish it and then someone uh, snaps it up because it's the next great American novel or the great, you know, uh, Irish um, 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 epic poet poem, and you um, they they publish it and then you market it, and all of those are completely different processes. Have you ever? had anyone turn up to your sessions that has made quite a name for themselves obviously it's kind of six to seven figure community that you have i am hoping we may be able to talk about this person or persons if if they do exist that has made quite a name for themselves in the the writing space um i'm 
Sure. Well, I don't know anybody big. I keep like I keep mentioning Stephen King, hoping that he'll show up and write with us someday. Um, <laughs> you never know. No, I'm just kidding. But my regular group um, on Monday evenings had um, two two people. Well, so I had a, a large group of people over time. Um, two people in particular. One was a had um, written, I think, 14 or 15 books at that point and made it an essential part of her writing practice to work each week in a group because it's so writing is isolating, right? If you write a lot. And so this was her moment to socialize. She'd chat for a little bit before, get her just power through her writing, sit and chat for 15 or 20 minutes and take off. And this was socializing, right? There was another member who was a journalist who um, um, wrote constantly and, and we probably would have, heard of her, um, but I won't, I haven't talked with her, so I won't mention that. So large, large people? Yes, please. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, anecdotally, we've heard of multiple different individuals that have participated in Shut Up and Write. As you can imagine, that's not always the brand that uh, a famous author potentially wants to, um, to, to put on themselves that, that potentially they found themselves in situations where they need support to get their writing done. But I will, I will say that when I was in uh, London in April at the London Book Fair, um, we met with multiple publishers who were looking at ways that they could leverage shut up and write relationship to get their authors to finish their books. Because as you can imagine, as a publisher, so much of their time is spent managing their authors and ensuring that their authors are delivering on time. And, uh, and it is not you know, rare that an author might find themselves in a slump and need support. And so uh, while we're not at liberty to share or know of the specific authors, we do know that the industry in itself is very excited about um, how they can leverage uh, Shut Up and Write as a way to continue to support their authors and getting their work accomplished. And I think that that's a big big thing to talk about is as you create this, um, as writing, writing as an industry, right, as you have responsibilities to deliver, right, there are deadlines, but there are also deadlines in other ways, right? We have a lot of people who are writing their dissertations, who are writing their uh, essays, who are journalists, who need to get their project done by a specific deadline that leverage our community as a way for them to um, to accomplish it more quickly. I mean, for me, sometimes I'll leverage a shut up and write simply to write that email that I knew was going to take an hour and I was really, really not looking forward to writing it. But I know that I have that time during that week that I'm going to go ahead and dig in. Because today it's so easy to get distracted by so many different things. And I think that we as a as a culture value uh, volume um, over potential uh, you know, difficulty. So if I can take care of five tasks or write that one email, I'm always going to focus on those five tasks. So sometimes it's just really nice to have that period of time to write that email that you've been ignoring for the last two weeks. I was actually going to ask you about how you integrate into the industry and knowing that you've got poets, you've got dissertations, you've got authors, you've got journalists, you've got a lot of different industries that you can cross over into. Is that something you see in the future? And we're probably worth having a Rennie chime in on that one, being the founder, but is that something that, that you 
consider? Is that something that you've thought about? And where do you see Shut Up and Write in the future? Uh, sure. I'll, and I'll go back to what we were talking about uh, around careers, which is do the thing that's in front of you, which is helping people write, and then seeing what comes of it, right? We don't, we, we can't know. It's, it is, we are building our new platform and the way we go about our business in a way that can be emergent so that we have we're taking care of our business we're showing up every day um, working on the platform getting our writing done doing our things knowing that the that there are hundreds of thousands of people aching to be heard how do we fit into that we'll see we'll see over the next year or two what do you think aaron so you know our goal at this point is to create the most inclusive uh, writing community in the world based off of intentionality. We do have uh, relationships within the industry to provide professional services to those individuals every step of the way. So our main focus is not on ensuring that every writer who comes through our program has the opportunity to get published. It is ensuring that everyone has access to the tools that they need to keep their writing moving forward. And sometimes that is a manuscript evaluation. Sometimes that's a copywriter. Sometimes that's a cover art creator. There's a thousand different components to the writing process that, um, that I think are important for people to consider, and we will provide pathways to that. Uh, and so our hope, again, as a, a nonprofit ecosystem is that we're, we want to ensure that we are creating a space where everybody has whatever they need in order to sit down, shut up, and write. Uh, and that can include publishing services. So I think you'll see as we continue to evolve and grow as an ecosystem that we really are focused on ensuring that every single person that has a story to tell has the means to tell that story to whomever they want to share it with. Well, everyone listening, I'm sure would reach out to you guys or would like to if they're writing, if they're struggling with their writing or they just want a safe space to to be creative. Where can they go to find out more about you? Shutupright.com. <laughs> just that simple. How about social media? Are you, are you two on the, the socials as well? Yeah, absolutely. Shut Up and Write is on all the major socials. Um, I'm personally on most of the major socials and people are more than welcome to reach out to me if they're so inclined. Uh, but the 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 ecosystem itself is really focused on shutupright.com or shutupandwrite.com. Uh, we just find that and to be, uh, you know, makes that a little bit longer. Um, yeah, but people are more than welcome to come and join the community as it stands. Meetup.com is also a really great way for people to find existing ecosystems, but they can find that from shutupright.com. Uh, we'll link you directly to the community that's potentially happening in your area. If there isn't uh, an event that's happening in your area, we we um, welcome anybody to become their own host. And then that gets them the ability to pick their own place and their own time uh, to that works best for them to host an event. And if somebody lives in a community where the potentially it isn't the best thing in the world to be out and about these days, we are encouraging people to go out and about if they can, because it helps support the coffee shops and the other centers. There, there are employees that need business and we're trying to encourage people out. But 
But if there's a reason why you can't, our online community is continuing to grow uh, and you um, can find a time pretty much that works for anyone just by going to shutupright.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Rennie and Aaron, thanks so much for being a guest on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Really appreciate the time. It has been a, a good conversation. Thanks so much. If you want to join a group of like-minded people that are all out to achieve their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, and they get the help and support from me and the other members, then my inner circle is for you. There's a link in the description for this episode to get two months free of the inner circle. So you set your membership up, you get two months free access. Hopefully I'll see you there and I look forward to helping you on your journey of achieving the life that you want.